Welcome to Ridgeview Church. We're so glad that you decided to uh, worship with us this morning. And my name is Alex Barrett, and I'm the, the lead pastor here. And we've been spending uh, the last few weeks looking at our thought life and how to win uh, the war uh, which wages in our mind. And what are the things that we need to think about? What are the things that we, we don't need to think about? And today we're, we're going to dig deeper into this, looking at how to move past negative uh, thinking. And so what I'd like you to do is just kind of do a self reflection as we start. And I want you to think in terms of your, your minds and your thoughts as like a playlist that has like a genre to it. I don't know if you guys remember when like iTunes first came out back in the day and you're trying to figure out like, what do I do? Go from my CDs to like this electronic thing and you load all your music and it assigns like a genre. And what are some of your favorite like genres of music? What do you guys like to listen to? Eight. That's like the, the bonus points you get for that. 80s music. I actually, I can't stand 80s myself. Okay, hey, I'm welcome here too, okay? Goodness gracious, get your synthesizers out of here. Um, what's some other genres you guys like? Country. I like 80s more than that. What else? What else? 60s, classical. 70s, early 2000s. 2001 to 2004. Anything else? Indie. You just say that and nobody even knows what that means. Like, yeah, me too. <laughs> Indie. It's like independent. Pop. Rap. We need a talent. I heard an ant. Look, we're shutting each other down right here. We're starting it off right. Well, what about if people were to look into your mind and all the things that you think about, what genre would they label your thoughts? Oh, snap. Think about that. What is the collection of your thoughts? If, if, you know, we're normal, which we all are, it's probably a mixed bag. But if people were to, like, listen to your thoughts and they had to classify and categorize the majority of them, like, what would they be? Would they be positive? Would they be negative? Would they be hopeful? Would they be hopeless? And on any given day, uh, the genres of our mind can change. And so what we're going to talk about today is, is how do we actually learn how to get past the playlists and the genres of our thinking that really plagues us, and how do we actually think in a way that, that's helpful. And so we're going to build on where we've been the last two weeks, and if you've not joined us or you missed it, I just want to review, and if you've been here, this will just kind of be a way of summarizing where we've headed. So let's dig in. The first thing that we started week one was the life we have is a reflection of the thoughts we think. Uh, if you are thinking in your life and those thoughts are good or they're not good, it impacts you. Like our thoughts are not neutral. They're either moving us forward or they're moving us backwards. And that, that's a fact. That's how life works. And so if you want to know your thinking, look at your life. And it's, there's a correlation there. There's a reflection. And then the second, which we talked about last week, is winning the war in our mind begins in our heart. Oftentimes we think thinking and our brain, but actually thinking happens in the core of us, according to the Scripture. It happens in the heart. And what we think in our heart determines what we do. So it's very important for us to look at our perspective, how we see things, and then to evaluate our values, like what is it that's really important to me? Because you act in a way that makes sense to you, just like I act in a way that makes sense to me. And so we've been talking about this over the last two weeks. And then this last week, I don't know about you, but I just felt like there was a wave of more things that I had to really battle in my mind 
Um, I tuned in to the news on Sunday of last week and Monday and everything unfolding in the country of Afghanistan. And you're seeing people, you know, fleeing for their life and just terrible situations and scenarios. And that's, that's all over the news. And we, we have to try to process, like, it's hard to know how to think about that. Just the, the devastation and the travesty that these people are, are facing. And Christians, uh, the country of Afghanistan has probably one of the fastest growing Christian populations on the face of the earth. Jesus is reaching them. And what's happening is, is now they're going to be facing persecution they've not faced in a while. And so when I, when I look at that, it's like on this global scale, it's hard to know, well, what does that mean for me and what am I supposed to do? And, you know, as a church, we, we, want, to, we want to pray for these things. And then, like, remember that time when, like, COVID was over? <laughs> and then it wasn't. And we all fall on a different spectrum related to that. And you, you know, we have people on, on all the different sides. And it's very difficult because have you ever noticed that you feel the most strongly about what makes sense to you? And guess what? People that feel different than you feel very strongly because it makes sense to them. So it's even related to the heart, what we've been talking about. But I, I thought like we were like done. And I, you know, full disclosure, like I'm not a guy that wears masks that much. But, you know, out there you're seeing more and more, more and more masks. And part of it is because... There, there's still fear and there's unknown. And then you have vaccinations. Let's talk about that. No, just kidding. Let's not. <laughs> Some of you are like, yes, this is the Sunday I've been waiting for. And others, you're like, oh my goodness, I came to the wrong week. But right? Like, I just have to say that word and it gets a reaction. But think about the vaccinations. You have people that have them and they feel strongly about them and they're still unsure. And then you have people that don't have them and maybe forced to get them, and they're unsure about what to do with that. The reason I bring this up is that all of this causes, this is in real time, real life, what we're facing, a great amount of unsettling to us. And then you look at our state, and then you have like natural disasters, like wildfires that are beginning to rage, and we know what that is in our state. Like It happens every year, the same season. We have people in our congregation that they put their life at risk. That causes us to like, how do you process that? And then worldwide, like earthquakes and hate, like you ever notice it just feels like at times like the world is falling apart? It's broken, and we're in the middle of it, and we're trying to like piece things together, and we just look at our, our resources and our means, and it feels like we can't do anything. The reason I bring this up is God wants to talk to us right now and what we're facing, and you don't have to check your uh, issues and your problems and your concerns at the door. You don't have to come to the church and act like life is not happening And if you're unsettled this morning, and if you're unsure of what to do, God is meeting you right where you are. You don't have to act like you have it all together. And that's why we dig into the scriptures, because we need God's help. And so what I want to do is I just want to start by just praying, praying about all these things that weigh on you, that weigh on me, that are weighing on our leaders throughout the state, throughout our country. There's all sorts of things that we have no idea of what to do, what to think about, how to respond. What we can do is we can turn to God, and we can do what we can do, and that's what I want to talk about today. So let's pray. Father, we welcome you here. We thank you that you are a God that is not far off because you have always been and you will always be. You are everywhere. You are with those in Afghanistan. You are with those in Haiti. You are with all of us right now. And so, God, we, 
we admit, we confess, our minds run all sorts of scenarios. We, we battle negativity. We struggle with feeling unsettled. We battle faith, and it's easy to be hopeless. So this morning right now we ask that you will help us to focus on the truth, to focus on what we can do, and in the middle of all that we're facing right now, that you will build our faith. And we ask it in faith, and in the name of your Son, Jesus, we pray, amen. What I want to do is... is Obviously, not just bring all this up so we're freaking out, but in light of everything that we have, how, how do we, we actually focus? And so what I want to do today is I want to start with a scripture that I keep coming back to again and again and again and again in my life that helps me in everything that's just pulling me and spiraling me and stretching me and where I feel like I don't know what to do and I don't know how to respond. I keep coming back to this scripture. And so what I want to do is just unpack this and then kind of build on that and lay this foundation of how do we defeat the negative thinking that we all struggle with, and we all will the rest of our lives. And so let's dig into God's Word today. Uh, God has shown us how to focus. Again, we, uh, Christianity is different than some of the major religions of the world. Some of the major religions of the world, like, like Buddhism, they may focus on the way that you become one is like you, you like have to empty your mind. Like, you have to have nothingness. And there's a sense of, like, as soon as you're, you focus on nothing, uh, then, then you are enlightened. The issue with my mind is, like, I can never get to the point where it's fully emptied. Right? It's like you try, and then it's like that other thought just keeps coming. And as soon as I got emptied, it filled up again with another thought and another thought and another thought. So it's actually not about just uh, ignoring thoughts or acting like they're not real or they're not there. It's actually... Uh, aligning them and focusing on them in a certain way. And God's shown us how to do that. We don't have to figure that out ourselves. We actually uh, don't need uh, psychology. We don't need educators. We, we don't need all these things which can be helpful to understand, but we have God's word to help us focus. We, we don't need somebody else. Like we have been revealed the word of God from him, like from God who made us. And he knows we are we get so taken off track. And so this scripture is Philippians 4.8, and I want to read it and then just kind of unpack it. It says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, and the capitalized words there I added, it says, think about these things. Each one of those words is the genre of the playlist of the things that we can think about. So back to the first question, if people were to unpack all your thinking, would they say that your genre of thinking is true? Is it commendable? Is it pure? Is it just? So what the scriptures is saying is whatever you feel and think about a situation, you have to compare to actually God's intent for our thinking. It's like this should be the mirror to which we, we analyze and judge our own thinking. Now, what we tend to do, and what I tend to do, is you end up comparing yourself to other people. Well, I'm struggling, but I'm, I'm not like that person. And so our, our mirror becomes others, and it leads to comparison. So in everything I've mentioned in the beginning, have you noticed how easy it is for us to judge other people? 
We see what they post, we see what they do, and we kind of come with an assumption of why they're doing what they're doing. It's so easy to do that, and we get caught in a trap. And that also defeats our thoughts because we're so focused on other people in comparison and fear of what other people think. And what the scripture says is the fear of man is a snare. You try to make progress and you get trapped. That's what the scripture is saying is you have to focus on this, and this is not normal. Like, this is a battle. That's why it's called winning the war. Because when we wake up, most of the things we're not thinking about is like, how can I think about what's true today? And when you read articles and you dig into the news, you know what they're not thinking? How can we fill them with the truth? What they're thinking is, how can we pump them emotionally so they will react? Emotional reaction spends money, and that's what they want. God shows us the right way to focus. So when it says, think about these things right here at the end, literally, it means to take inventory. So there's a sense of which you have to stop and slow down in your thinking and ask yourself, what kind of thoughts am I thinking right now? It's very difficult to do that because they're your own thoughts. And most of the time, they make so much sense because it's the playlist that you're always listening to. But we have to stop. We have to say, think about these things. So what am I thinking about on a regular basis? Where does like, my thinking go to? What's my reflex? What makes sense to me and, and why? And you have to think about those. You have to take uh, an inventory. And the idea is like I have to take a metal, mental record of the events of my thoughts, knowing that this is going to impact my future. This is so counterintuitive. We live in a time that's like as long as you feel good about something, like believe it. As long as it makes you happy about something, do it. It's like ultimate freedom, but no boundaries. And we live as people in our mind with no boundaries, and our thoughts are just running havoc all over the place. There's boundaries to our thinking. And only can we, with God's help, set the fence posts and the guards around our thoughts. And the guards are these words. And so we have to actually dwell on this. It's this idea of like, I'm, I'm going to think about this and I'm going to focus. I'm not just going to let my, my thoughts fly. Have you ever had a situation where you just blowed up at somebody? Blowed up? <laughs> Blew up? Thank you. You ever say something and realize it didn't make any sense? <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> but have you ever done that where you just kind of spewed and then somebody says to something, that's okay, I understand. You were just venting. And you're like, yeah, I was just venting. Have you ever used that word venting? It's a great word. It basically means say whatever you want. It's great, but you're venting. It's like the ultimate freedom. The scriptures actually, in this is not whatever is venting. You don't find it. Venting is actually very dangerous. Because once you say the things that you're thinking, as soon as that comes out, it actually is a little bit more concrete reality once you say it. There's a lot of things we think that we should never say. Amen? <laughs> but there's things that when we do say, it becomes a little bit more real. So you have to be very careful. And so this idea is like we, we don't let these thoughts fly. We don't let them plant seeds. We don't let them run havoc in our, our mind. We, we actually have to, to think. And so let me just kind of unpack these words. If you go to the next uh, slide there, each highlighted, and you'll see parentheses, which is kind of like the original language. This was written in Greek. Uh, this is what it means. So whatever's true. True there is knowing God's truth, and it's helpful because 
It's his truth, and you have, to, you have to focus on it. So there's a sense of like to know what is true. Again, we've been talking about this week after week, but to know what's true means you have to get to know God in the scriptures. It's him revealed. I don't know if you ever stopped to think, but if God did not reveal himself in the scriptures, we would not know him in the same way. So the scriptures, the Bible, is a gift from God for us to know him. And without him revealing it, we wouldn't know it. We don't have wisdom and insight to know God. Science tells us that there is no God. So think about that. At our means, at our resources without God, with our thinking and philosophies, the assumption is there was no God. Very interesting. The more reasoned we become as humans, the less logical we are. That's the truth. We make no sense without truth. And the only way we have truth is through God's word. And the only way you know it is you actually have to read it for yourself. And so on Sundays, what we try to do is, is give you um, a sense of the scriptures and, and talk about them, but, but it's something like you, you actually have to investigate yourself. And that's, how you, that's how you grow. That's also how you filter false lies from what is true. If you don't know it, you don't know what's getting in, whether it's true or not. So this can be known, and that's what the truth is. The next word, whatever is honorable, honorable. This means good, honest, and it's like a carefulness to be accurate. Have you ever said it's something and it wasn't accurate at all? And you knew you like blew it like way out of proportion? It was the worst thing ever. I've said that. One of my favorites was, I'm starving. <laughs> really? <laughs> but we like we run to like extremes. That's not necessarily you're trying to be dishonorable, but it's very easy in a situation. You're not necessarily trying to be accurate. You're trying to get people to side with the way you see it. That's a big difference. We're very good at presenting the facts according to how we want people to see. We're also very good at presenting our life according to how people want to see us. But honor there is, is I'm, I'm careful. I want to be accurate. And this, again, it's in your mind. Am I thinking about this in what's a honorable way? Like, is this really what's happening? And then adjust. This relates to our thinking towards others. Does this reflect fairness, justice, equity? There's a sense of which, like, am I seeing and thinking about them based on who they are and what they're facing? I don't know about you, but if I ever uh, am in a conflict with somebody, it's very difficult for me to go to their vantage point first. Whose do I go to? Mine. And you know, mine is always way clearer than theirs. I don't know how that is, but it always makes way more sense to me, my own view. But this idea of justice, you know what? I'm going to see it, and I'm going to aim to see it from their perspective. That's that idea of like, you know, you, you try to walk a mile in their shoes. You begin to see things differently. That, that's actually very helpful. And then whatever is pure, clean, not filthy, that's just, it is what it is. It's like, if there's a thought that comes and it's not pure, it's not holy, it's just wrong, you don't let that settle in your mind. There's no help there. So you have to move to what is pure. And then whatever is lovely. I grew up in England. For some of you, you may not have known that. This is like a word that's in my, like, I use that a lot. Lovely is everything in England. Like, food is lovely, your grandma's lovely, the weather is lovely. You don't use it much in the United States. 
I think we need to bring that back, but actually it's never been here. But uh, the idea is it's, it's, it's friendly and acceptable. So it's again this gauge of like, is this, like we don't think about that, like was that thought lovely? Like we don't ask ourselves, but again, uh, is this building like goodwill uh, between me and somebody else? Is this helping the relationship? Again, nobody is knowing what's going on in your mind, but all of this is happening. The scripture is saying you have to think about these. You have to make sure that these thoughts are streaming in the right direction. You have to put the boundaries so they flow in the right way. And then commendable, uh, speaking well of people, uh, not running people down and thinking the best. Do any of you struggle with thinking the best? I do. What do you tend to think? You kind of think the worst. What's really interesting is when I tend to think the worst, you know why I do that? Because I know me. And I tend to think, well, if they're anything like me, they're going to probably do that. So sometimes our own thoughts reflect our own issues. And that's why we need the help and the grace of God. So we've got lovely, we've got commendable, and then if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. So Look at this list. If you decided you're not going to think of things that don't fit in those categories, would your thinking look differently? Right? It would. For some of us, it's like, I don't even think I would have thoughts. (laughs) I might be getting empty. Because I don't know about you. It's like you look at this, and I'm just going to talk about it. It doesn't even seem like it's real. Like that's just, yeah, that's like a Disney, like, just believe in your heart kind of thing. What the scriptures are saying is like, if you begin to get traction and not perfection here, but if you begin to get traction and just weed out some of those roots of the opposite, like of lies instead of truth, you will change. And if you begin to think pure more than filth, like you will change. And so this is God's way of showing us how uh, to focus. So what I want to do is I want to just kind of get a little practical and take what I've just talked about, like this filter that we can put in place to screen out our thoughts, and then I want to get down to how do you, how do, you do that like in real time with what you face, and I have four things to give to you that I hope will be a help. So how to direct your thoughts in the right direction, and I want to start with a scripture that again is, is helpful. Um, it's 1 Peter 1.13. It says, therefore... Uh, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So the idea of uh, preparing your mind for action is realizing that you're always having to make a choice that I am going to really process and I'm going to think about my thoughts. And that's kind of weird because you're like, think about my thoughts. It doesn't make sense. But there's a sense of like, I'm not just going to, again, just be this the sponge that fills things up that, that are not helpful. So I'm going to really take an inventory. I'm really going to focus. But, but notice here, preparing your minds for action. Uh, other versions of this scripture, it doesn't really do us justice, but it says, gird the loins of your mind. Some of you grown up in church. Grown up in church. I'm like having this trouble today. <laughs> uh, you may have heard that, that translation before. And the idea is in biblical times, you, you would have, uh, you know, men and women, but especially men that would wear these like long uh, gowns 
And that might be like the most offensive word to use for what they wore. But these long robes, that's what it is. This, you guys are going to help me. We're not going to get through this. This is, the, this is not good. Um, I'm talking about thoughts, and apparently I need to talk about words, okay? But gowns, robes, whatever you want to say. And what would happen is if a man needed to do something uh, like run in an emergency or do some work that was strenuous or to lift, they would have to lift up their robe, tie it around their waist, and make a little like short outfit, okay? That's what it means. So what the scriptures are saying is you need to prepare your minds for action. It's like pull your, your sleeves up, make sure that you're ready to think about what's right, Prepare your mind so you're not just going to trip over your thinking. You're not just going to let things settle that shouldn't settle. Prepare your mind for action. Pull up and get ready to move. And then it says uh, being sober-minded. What's the opposite of sober? Drunk, intoxicated. Our thoughts intoxicate us. Have you ever been thinking about the wrong things and at the end of the day, you're so discouraged? You're depressed? You feel down? You are hung over with wrong thinking. That's what the scripture is saying. You have to be sober-minded. It's the idea of it. You, you, have to, you have restrain. You don't let intoxicated thoughts lead you to the sense of like you don't have your bearings, like where you're just stumbling like a hungover person, being sober-minded. Then it says, set your hope fully on the grace that we brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. This is what's really helpful. What I just talked about, all those things that are pulling us down or unsettling to us, things that are like beyond our scope of care or out of our control, we don't know what to do. The idea is, as a Christian, if you are a follower of Christ, you can never forget that this world is not the end all of the problems can become just the, the summary of life. Like, this is it. And that's how the world focuses. This is it. And so your highs can be really high and your lows can be really low. But being sober-minded means, you know what? This world is not the end. I don't have to have completion completely. Life will feel unsettled and unraveling. And I'm okay with that. Why? Because I'm going to set my hope, not in this world and my circumstance. I'm going to set my hope on the fact that Jesus is coming back. And he will make things right. He will restore the brokenness. He will restore the things which I cannot restore. That's his job and his job alone. I'm going to set my hope on that. So it actually, that helps you be sober. Like, that puts things into perspective. It will happen at the revelation. Again, I have to think about these things. Uh, here's a quote that, that's helpful. This is by Thomas Newberry, he says, think of your mind as a sponge. It acts on what it soaks up. And when it is squeezed, guess what comes out? You're right. Only one thing can possibly come out. And this is what you put in. So what the scriptures are saying is, if you want a different outcome, you have to think differently. And I think this is one of the greatest disconnects that we're seeing in our society. Everyone is looking at the sum of their life and they are so discouraged. Because again, it's like a bucket full of holes and they keep filling it and it keeps getting emptied and they keep filling it and it gets emptied. But you know what? They're, they're, they're not patching the holes. There's no hope there. 
You just keep doing the same things. What the scriptures are saying is actually you have to think differently. And that's what Philippians 4.8 is. All right, let's dig in. Four things. These are the way to help that pull in the wrong direction. And then this is the way to direct it rightly. First, stay present. Stay present. Ecclesiastes 7.10. I'm, full disclosure, I'm 40 years old. And I have found myself saying more and more in my day. I'm kind of depressed by that. In my day, I literally say that regularly. When I was a kid, you find yourself saying that? Okay, I'm getting over it. Ecclesiastes 7.10 says, don't long for the good old days. Why? This is not wise. How many of you, like the 80s is kind of bringing this up for me. My kids don't have the childhood I had. And sometimes that makes me sad. I used to play outside all the time. My parents didn't even know where I was. And it was great. We had a great situation and scenario. I'd be gone, they knew it, and I'd come back. Seriously, in third grade. I'd be gone all day in the summer in third grade. I'd ride my bike by myself. You know what I'm talking about right now? Things that are not wise. You know why? Because as soon as you think about the good old days, where are you thinking? Are you in the past? No. Just in case you didn't know, you're not in the past. <laughs> Some of you are like, it makes so much sense. Whoa. Life just changed in that moment. I'm not in the past. No, you're right here. Does God meet you in the past? No. Why? Because you're not there. If your thinking is all in the past, in the good old days, your reality is somewhere where God can't meet you. It doesn't help you. It's okay to be nostalgic. But we had to shift gears like my wife and I. We, we started to have just different discussions about our parenting and where our kids are headed. And we thought, you know what? We can't just focus on the good old days and trying to get back to what it used to be. It's never going to be that. How do we raise warriors that will face what they're going to face? That's different. You have to stay present. It's so easy. Every time summer comes around, I have to battle that. Like, remember when summer vacation, like when you could take a summer, like, I still wish that was the case. Like, let's all take summers off. Don't know how that would work, but it sounds great. But you have to stay present. That's never going to happen. Focus on what you have before you. So wisdom is focusing on here and now. What does God want to do right now with me, with what I face, and how do I think about those? Number two, screen out the lies. Just because you have a thought doesn't mean it was yours. In two weeks, I'm going to talk about this more. I've actually added a week to this series. I don't know if many people know this, but in two weeks from today, I'm going to talk a little bit about the spiritual dimension of thinking and the spiritual warfare that exists. And that is, uh, we have an adversary that exists in this world. He's called Satan. And he actually wants you to believe lies. And so one of the ways he wants you to believe lies is he gives you lies to believe. But the crazy thing with lies is because you think it, you think it's yours, and you own it, and you process it, 
and you analyze it, and then it actually becomes your reality. If you screen out the lies, what you're saying is, that thought's not true, and I will not think about it. And you actually have to do battle against lies, and it's active. So we're going to talk about that. Psalm 51.6 says this, Behold, you delight in truth in the inward being, and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. Psalm 51 is a psalm of David when he had actually just been convicted and exposed for committing adultery with Bathsheba. And he had had the prophet Nathan come and create this scenario, and he was guilty, and he realized, like, yes, I, this is who I am. I committed adultery, and I worked behind the scenes to get this woman's husband killed. It's, it's, it's travesty in Scripture. This is David, man after God's own heart. Talk about a mixed bag. Like a hero, but not. A lot like us. We're a mixed bag. But notice what he says here. Imagine the thinking. Imagine the battle that he has. God's plans for him. What God had given him. How God had come through again and again and again. Battles that he had given him victory in. And in the pursuit to please himself, he committed adultery and had a man killed. Do you imagine the shame that you would be facing? You imagine the pain and the gravity of that thinking that would pull you down. And notice in Psalm 51, he, he confesses to God. He says, create in me a clean heart. I'm broken. I'm dirty. I'm rotten. And then in verse 6, but you delight in truth and in the inward being. There's something like in everything that I'm facing, these lies, I have to get to the core of them. I have to do an inventory. I have to be real. There's things that I'm thinking that are not true. And some of us today, you may be thinking thoughts that are not true, and you've thought them for a long time, and you, you need help. And here at Risby, we want to help you. You have to screen out the lies, and it begins with our heart, seeing things differently, allowing God's word to, to soak in, and we begin to change. But one of the most practical things that I encourage you to do to begin to get truth in your inward being is this. Avoid, avoid extreme statements. You want to screen out the lies, it starts with watching your extremes. We say extremes a lot to make a point. The problem with extremes is it's not actually true. It won't always be like that. Or you haven't always done that. Most of the time when the lies plague us is because we have a reality that we've created that's absolute but that's not true. The only things you can say absolutely are about the character and the person of God. He doesn't change. But through his grace, we can. And so part of screening out the lies is just watch for those extreme statements. So stay present. Screen out the lies. Number three, have realistic expectations. So little inventory. How many of you would say in your relationships you have expectations of other people? Have, has anyone ever told you, like, wow, you have a lot of expectations? Has it ever gotten you into trouble? Yeah, now you don't even want to raise your hand because the person who said it's sitting next to you. <laughs> the crazy thing about expectations is if you want to know if you have them, the real question is, have you ever been disappointed? You have expectations. Has anyone disappointed you before? Yeah. That's when you know you had a plan for them 
that you may not have known and they may not have known, but you're disappointed they did not do it. I just summed up years of marriage counseling right there. That was free, (laughs) free of charge. But you want to know most of the problems in marriage is expectations, unspoken. No one even knows it, except he or she are kind of mad, and I don't know why, because they're disappointed. And this goes back, uh, Ecclesiastes 7.14 says, enjoy prosperity while you can, but when hard times strike, realize that both come from God. What this is saying is, God's not necessarily giving you this hard time, but if we believe God's in control, Scriptures say he's sovereign. What that means is everything that happens flows through his hand. Like he's not asleep. He's not absent. He's not far off. Everything flows through his hand. He allows it. And there's lots of layers as to why that could be, a lot of which we may never know. But realize that both come from God. And then remember, I love this, that nothing is certain in this life. I think for me, the reason this past year has been so difficult is because I face things and I've had to process things as a father, as a husband, as a pastor that I thought I would never have to face in my life. So there were certain certainties that I had, just scenarios that I just always assumed would happen. And everything changed, and it keeps changing. And so part of what I'm coming to grips with is like, I just want things to stay so I can know what to do. But it keeps changing, and therefore, I'm unsettled, and I don't know what to do. You guys, does this resonate with you? Like, you're facing that too, right? What the Scripture is saying is like, there's just a sense of like, God is God, and the only way that we can be stable is we anchor to Him, not our circumstances, not the predictability of life. Nothing is certain. Have realistic expectations. Uh, There's two characters that uh, we usually like cynically talk about related to like expectations. The first is Pollyanna. Here's a picture. You guys heard of Pollyanna? Have you ever been called that? You're such a Pollyanna. We don't use that that much, but it's actually a great picture. These were books written uh, in the early 1900s, and then it became later uh, a couple different movie versions. But a Pollyanna is somebody who's like, has the utmost optimism, no matter what. It's like, the world is burning, and they're like, well, we can do s'mores, you know? <laughs> like, that's a Pollyanna. It's just an extreme optimism that sometimes is not based in reality. We can be cynical about that, like, you're such a Pollyanna. Or you may be one at different times. That's an extreme version. The opposite extreme is uh, this character, You know, he doesn't have a tail. He doesn't know how to even spell tail. Life stinks. That's Eeyore. Have you been called one of those before? We're not going to divide the room. I already see finger pointing. But Pollyanna, everything is great, nothing is wrong. Eeyore, everything is bad, nothing is good. Again, we have to be careful of extremes. Oftentimes, it's somewhere in the middle. Now, there are things in life that are devastating, And it is difficult. And there can seem like there's nothing good that could ever come. And there's things that are really good, and we celebrate and we enjoy, and you have to do both. 
you have to enjoy what God gives in the moment, and then you have to learn how to turn to God when it feels like it all falls apart. That's life. So having a realistic expectation is like, I can't live just for Pollyanna moments. I can't get stuck in Eeyore. I need to actually look at, to God no matter what I face. And then number four, we've already talked about this, but dwell on the positive and the uh, productive, and that's Philippians 4.8, the scripture that, that we, we've already gone over. Uh, some ways that, that you can, just in closing, some ways that you can think about the positive and the productive are some practical things that you can do, and I encourage you to do this. First, um, soak up the truth in the Bible. I'm talking about that, but I encourage you, if you don't have a Bible, uh, after service at our info table, uh, grab a Bible, and if you've not read the scripture and you want to know a good place to start, I say like open the Bible up like a jar. You start in the book of John, okay? You go to the table of contents, you can learn about Jesus' life. Uh, you can then, A, read the book of Acts. That's the early church as it got started. And then you could read R, Romans. So if you never read the scripture for yourself, start there. And what I usually do is like read a chapter, or read half a chapter, and then just ask yourself like, what is it saying? What does that mean? What do I need to do? What do I need to think? And just begin to ask questions. If you start to do that, read through John, read through Acts, through Romans. God's word will begin to get into your life and just pray a prayer like, God, will you help me make sense out of this? Will you help this you know, connect to my life? And so one of the ways you dwell in the positive and productive is you, you have to get the truth in. And so you could start there. Another is uh, create a thank list. When was the last time that you wrote down all that you're thankful for? Do that this week. What would that mean if you were to create a thank list? Third, this is helpful to think about. This is like I have to even pull the urge like this kind of feels like Pollyanna. But who are the five people who love me the most? You ever know that some of your thinking is at its worst when you think you're all alone? And you think that no one's there for you? You ever realize that some of your lowest moments are at those points? But there's actually people that do love you. Who are they? You know, you might need to write that down. And then last, uh, what, what five things am I looking forward to in the next seven days? This is just practical. It's, it's, it's training your mind to think differently. Now, do any of you, when I say that, you just kind of feel like, I'm not looking forward to anything? <laughs> like, can we just be honest? I know some of you thought that. Like, nothing. There's nothing I'm looking forward to. That's Eeyore. He's just growling a little bit. You just got to silence him. There might be some things. Like, buy yourself some good cereal, and you could look forward to eating that tomorrow morning. <laughs> just let's start small. But there are things that we actually could focus on based on what we're looking forward to. And then finally, this is just helpful. Our joy factor is determined by what we choose uh, to think about. I think that might be up on the screen there. But our joy factor is determined by what we choose to think about. So next week, we're going to build on this. I encourage you to come back. Invite a friend to join us. And I want to just encourage you to take some next steps. I'm going to invite the band up, and we're going to sing um, a last song and receive our offering. But uh, next steps, uh, if you've never memorized Philippians 4.8, memorize this. Get that filter into your mind. And just memorize it. Write it on a three-by-five card. Look at it every day for seven days. Just repeat it and repeat it and repeat it until you memorize it. Uh, second next step, uh, create a thank list. And what you do is on your connection card, just write the next step that you want to take. This is a way of like writing it down saying, I'm going to do it. And then we'll, we'll pray for you this week. 
So create a thank list. And then the third next step, sign up for a group. Um, real quickly, um, uh, Sam mentioned this, but we have groups and we're starting signups today and they're going to be launching uh, next month. One of the best ways for God's word to get into your life and for you to be encouraged by people that think in a way that, that's helpful is to get into a group. Here's the thing about a group. It will cost you. You have to give up another slot of your time. But as you give up another slot of your time and of your week, you're actually giving God more. And so that's how you grow. It's very hard to grow in the Christian faith if you're not a part of a group. It, it really does help. Life happens like in circles more than it does like in rows. And so a group's really important. So you could see the catalog there. We have connect groups. And really briefly, I just want to talk about those. Connect groups are based on what we talk about on a Sunday. How can we get in a group of men and women and talk about the scriptures for ourselves and next steps that we need to take? So it's building on what we talk about for further extension for practical application. We're going to have all of these groups launching in the North Fontana area, uh, different nights of the week. So I encourage you, uh, look at the, the options and, and sign up for a group. I think it will be a real help to you. Uh, we also have a special topic group that we're going to do this semester on parenting. And we'll be reading through a parenting book, which is very practical. Like, how do you actually uh, get to your kid's heart? How do you choose kindness? And then how do you train them? What does discipline look like? Looking at all the questions that we ask as parents. So you'll see that option. And then last, we have our first ever training group that we're launching called Horizon. And this could be for you. If you're looking for more traction and like how to develop spiritual disciplines, how do I get involved in the church? And what is the church? And what does that mean? Um, that group could be for you. So I encourage you, you could sign up today. Uh, the groups are on our website. You can go to ridgevchurch.com slash events. You could sign up online as well. But I encourage you, sign up. Everything that we're talking about, this is a further extension for you to grow. And then uh, three other things, uh, just to connect dots here. Uh, we have our Exploring Ridgeview. I think we got a slide for that next week. If you're interested in being more involved at Ridgeview Church and you want to learn more about who we are and where we're headed, sign up for this. Uh, this is actually the first step in our membership process. We have membership here at Ridgeview, which is a formal way of you can join the team to make our mission go. And we start next week at this, the preview, just a preview of who we are. Uh, it's about an hour and a half. It'll be after church uh, at our house next Sunday. Uh, so on your connection card, you just write preview uh, on there. And then uh, second, I said, I, I just lost track of numbers. 13th, uh, we have our Difference Maker uh, workshop coming up on September 1st. If you've heard your whole life, like you have to share your faith and you tremble in your bones of what that means. Um, this workshop is designed to how do you become a person who actually makes an impact by the way that you can share the difference that Jesus made in your life. Um, so wherever you are in your Christian journey, uh, you can come to that. And then last but not least is our Men's Summit. Man, that was okay. We'll work on that. Um, this will cost you as well. Literally, it costs money. It costs you time. As you'll notice... Anything related to spiritual growth will cost you. There's no way to sugarcoat it. The question is, what does it cost you if you don't do it? And that's what we don't talk about a lot. There's a cost to everything. So men, we have a men's summit. We have 20 spots available. I know some have already signed up. We're going to be joining our sister church, Orange Crest, Orange Crest Community Church, 
in Oak Glen next month in September, and we're talking about how to be men of influence. I sent an email, I think, to, to most of you, but we are in a time where men have been told they, they don't have influence. They shouldn't have influence. You don't have a voice. And as men, it's easy to just, again, believe that and own it. We're actually not men meant to be passive. We're meant to be warriors. And the church is where men need to rise up. And we need to make a difference. And so this summit is a way of just to get you fired up, to give you some help, to give you around other men so that you can really launch to like, how do I make a difference in my world? There's all sorts of reasons why you don't want to go, because I get it, life's busy. But again, think of the cost if you don't. Think about that for a little bit. So let's do a very short closing song. <laughs> and we're going to receive our offering in a moment. Drop your completed connection card in there. If I've never met you, I'd love to meet you after the service. I'm going to pray. Who's coming to kickball? <laughs> it's going to be awesome. Even if you haven't signed up, join us. If you, just like Sam said, we'd love to have you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. It's actually such a blessing to be in the church together. And we know the promise that when we're gathered in your name, you are here with us. And so we thank you for your presence. Lord, I know I struggle with negativity. I know, I think all of us do. But Lord, will you help us to screen out the lies and to stay present, to have realistic expectations? Lord, we need your help. We can't do this alone. So show us just things that we're thinking about that are not true, that aren't pure, that are not just, and help us to take an inventory. And God, I, I just pray that uh, in our groups that, that you will be with all the leaders in these groups as they get formed, that this will be a catalyst to spiritual growth. We look forward to what you do. We, we also, just for our kickball, we pray for protection. <laughs> Lord, we need it. And we just pray that we'll have fun together in the name of Jesus. Amen.